Hi, welcome to Shoe Speak HR. I've got Amy Anderson and Amy Leach with me. Hi, ladies. Are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Hi, Andy. Good, thanks. Are you? Good. Yeah, all good, thank you. So we are uh, continuing with our mini-series of Back to Basics at Day, where we look um, to cover various HR topics and processes. Um, I guess great for newbies to the HR world, um, but also a reminder for the most experienced, because whilst we are labelling it as Back to Basics, it would be a really boring podcast if we just simply said, we're going to talk about, as we are today, employee handbooks and policies, uh, and say, follow them, put them in place. Um, you know, kind of that, that wouldn't really inspire our listeners, I don't think. So we're going to, you know, talk about, like I said today, handbooks and policies, um, and certainly some of the key policies that employers need to have uh, in place as as a kind of, as both um, legis- legislation requires and, you know, kind of in our experience, um, the policies which, which we would recommend. So, Amy Leach, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andy. So I suppose just to go really back to basics, I suppose just to start the um, the episode off. So we're talking about obviously employee handbooks and policies. So what are they? They basically set out the standard um, that's expected of employees and um, potentially the wider workforce as well. If you've got consultants or um, kind of agency workers that some of the policies may um, may apply to, not all of them. Um, and also any procedures, so disciplinary agreements, et cetera. And it, they kind of assist in running the business, basically, and keeping things in good shape um, and giving a bit of guidance to to managers. They they help reduce legal risk. I suppose that's the aim of having them there. Um, gives a bit of clarity. It helps employees and managers understand uh, their legal rights and responsibilities that kind of fall within that employment relationship. And I think for most part, policies... Um, set out in a staff handbook are pretty much uh, a matter of good practice as you said Andy there are a few that are actually legally required um, that employers have to have those in in the form of written policies um, Amy I suppose do you want to tell us some of the policies that are required by law I can do so there aren't actually that many that you are strictly speaking legally required to have as written policies albeit as Amy's just as Amy's just said a lot of them are good practice and definitely useful and recommended to have for most businesses. Um, so the ones that are required by law are the disciplinary procedures and rules and the grievance procedure. So in the contract to employment, it will generally be referred to as, please see the disciplinary and, and grievance procedures that apply to your to your employment. Um, in addition to that, um, if you've got more than five employees, then you need to have a health and safety policy. And I think there may also be certain certain regulated sectors which need to have whistleblowing policies in place as well. Um, if you're pe- so in the contract of employment, you generally will find pensions information, so details around employee pension schemes. But if that isn't contained in the contract itself, then employers should also have a pensions policy in place. So they're the, they're the key ones for businesses to be aware of from a, from a strict legal standpoint. Yeah, and and like we were saying, there are some areas where whilst it, it isn't required by law, there are strong legal arguments, stuff as it sounds, for having such policies. Um, because they can help prevent both civil and criminal liability. Um, criminal liability is always something that pricks the ears up uh, when speaking to directors. So, uh, you know, kind of if, if you are having those conversations with the powers that be, um, just flagging that uh, this policy may help avoid criminal liability for the directors could well uh, facilitate a bit more investment in terms of uh, both resource and engagement. So, 
uh, what are these policies? These policies uh, include uh, policy for bribery, the facilitation of tax and evasion, uh, equal opportunities, data protection, and as Amy Anderson referred to earlier, whistleblowing policy. Some organisations do have to have a mandatory whistleblowing policy, but not all. So if you're outside of that mandatory, then this is still one which it is, you know, kind of highly advisable to have them in place. I think um, picking up on that, Andy, as well, obviously you've got sort of Amy outlined some of the, the legally required ones. Obviously, you've sort of advised on some, which again, are maybe not required by law, but very, very strong arguments for why you should have those um, policies in place. And I think then the kind of remainder of policies that employees may have, they they can range um, on a number of topics. And we've seen policies more recently, I guess, on homeworking, hybrid working policies. You might have dress code, expenses, social media um, your family-friendly policies and other leave entitlement policies might have a holiday one, um, sickness policy. And again, we've seen policies kind of extending from the sick leave. So policies for stress, mental well-being, um, and we're even sort of starting to see kind of menopause policies as well um, that some employers are putting in place. And I think whilst all of these, um, and I suppose many other policies that you can have are optional for an employer, actually including them within the handbook or having those as standalone policies, is regarded as, as best best practice really um, and can bring significant kind of legal protections for employers, provides clarity if there's a, a dispute or a disagreement between the employee and employer on a particular topic or point. Um, and it kind of just, I suppose, goes beyond just setting out kind of that standard of behaviour or employees' basic entitlements. Um, it goes that little bit further. Yeah. Well, like we... We, we've called this back to basics, but I think if there is a topic that comes up on every single podcast that we talk about it, it, it is policies and the procedures that, that business have in place, isn't it? So the fact that we talk about it so often, I think, shows how much of an important thread it is. Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same, actually, Amy, when, when Amy Leach was talking that this is a topic that we, or any of our listeners will, will adhere to, this is something that we discuss all the time we always recommend it because it allows for that consistency it allows for an organization to have clarity as to what it should do in certain situations and not just the business it allows employees to understand what to expect um, and obviously having an employee handbook clue is in the name it's issued to employees so that they can look at it um, as and when they encounter any particular situation and and i guess the key is to remember is that they will look at it they will analyze it they will go over it with a fine-tooth comb um, and if there is a deviation away from policy that in itself isn't discriminatory but it, it could lead to individuals thinking that or perceiving that which you know kind of is often um, you know where claims come from when when an individual feels aggrieved and by not following policy that that can create problems so I guess one other quick question Amy Anderson is employee handbooks and policies are they contractual or not? And what does it mean uh, for employers and employees if if they are contractual or not? So handbooks can be both contractual and non-contractual. The difference obviously being that if it's a contractual handbook, then if either party breaches it, then it's strictly speaking a breach of contract. Generally speaking, I would, I would recommend that businesses have non-contractual policies because it then gives them more scope to, to vary them should they need to. And like you say, Andy, any deviances from procedure um, wouldn't then be a breach of contract on the employer's part. So if, for example, a procedure requires them to have four meetings or whatever, if they've got a particularly long process, four meetings before they can consider 
dismissing on on performance grounds or whatever the case may be, if if that's a contractual policy and a business doesn't follow it, then the fact that they haven't held the requisite number of meetings would, strictly speaking, be a breach of contract that the employee would be entitled to pursue them for. Um, so yeah, I think they can be either. So it's important that as a business, you you understand whether your particular handbook is contractual or non-contractual. But generally speaking, the preference would be to have have non-contractual policies in place from an employer's perspective. Yeah, agreed. And and I think the only other issue to be alive to is when non-contractual policies or procedures become implied. Um, so an implied term in in somebody's contract of employment. This is a whole other episode uh, of um, our Shoe Speak HR podcast because um, when when terms become implied, um, as a general rule of thumb, they've been in place for a long time and everybody is aware of said policies and expects both parties to follow the policy. Uh, but like I say, it is a slightly more nuanced topic than that, so that perhaps that's something that we will pick up in terms of when something does become implied. Um Save for the implied term of trust and confidence, which is something that is often cited by employees, um, and and that's where there's a deviation away from something that they consider to be ultimately a fundamental breach of their contract. So, you know, kind of just having those implied terms in mind um, is worth thinking about. But, but generally, as a rule of thumb, you will be able to carve out um, at the top of your policies or within your handbook what is contractual and what isn't, and, and that is a, an important exercise. So um, that draws to a conclusion our Back to Basics uh, refresher on employee handbooks and policies. If any of the listeners um, have any queries at all, then, you know, as ever, they shouldn't hesitate to get in touch. Um best method is is via our email shoespeakhr at shoesmiths.co.uk um, and whilst we are covering a whole host of topics on the back to basics again if, if any listeners have a particular topic um, whether that's basic or, or slightly more complicated then we're, we're always happy to to take on board those suggestions and, and look to um, produce an episode in the future so thank you for listening thank you Amy's thanks bye